You are listening to the podcast of Anthem Church in Columbia, Missouri. For more information, visit us online at anthemcolumbia.com. Glad you're with us today. If you are new, we are going through the book of Ephesians. It's what we do here at uh, Anthem Church as we go through books of the Bible verse by verse. And we are in a section of the book talking about people's responsibilities within relationships. So if you missed last week, Stan talked about uh, husbands and wives. Today we're going to talk about children and parents and a little bit about employees and employers. Um, If you're not in a connection group, I'd really encourage you to get in one because that's where you get to hash some of this stuff out. Hearing it from a stage and thinking about it is good, but getting in a group of people who are trying to put this into practice and to do it is where it really gets fun and hard and rewarding. Um, so I really encourage you to, if you're not in a connection group, to look into one, um, to get into a place where you can discuss what this looks like to do this, because um, we want to respond to God's word. We don't want to just hear it, but we want to do it. So um, while you're opening to Ephesians 6 is where we are today, verses 1 through 9, um, I want to uh, put up a word up here on the screen, responsibility, since that's what we're talking about. We're talking about people's responsibilities within certain relationships. So husbands have responsibilities, wives have responsibilities, children, parents, employees, employers. And uh, the way the dictionary states it is the state or fact of having a duty to deal with something or of having control over someone. So responsibility has two sides to it, right? You have responsibilities that have been placed on you. You didn't ask for them, (laughs) but that's your job, right? That's your responsibility. Somebody gave that to you. Now it's your responsibility to take care of it, to see that you do what you've been told. And then there's this other side of responsibility where if you are the one giving the commands, giving the orders, you have a responsibility to do that well. You have a responsibility if you are in charge of people. Does that make sense? You see both sides of what responsibility looks like. You're both under authority when you have to do what you're told, and then you, when you are in an authority, when you have the opportunity to tell somebody else what they should do, you have a responsibility over that person. You have a responsibility to lead them well, to only tell them to do things that are beneficial to them or beneficial for the group. Um, so it's a stewardship. Um, I talk to my sons a lot. Uh, Proverbs twenty twenty nine says that the glory of young men is their strength, and the beauty of old men is their gray hair. <laughs> And I've got, I have some, and I, I could not be more excited about it. Like, I can't wait till this whole thing is great because it makes me look like I know what I'm doing. <laughs> um, so I, but the glory of old men is their beauty of old men is their gray hair, but the, the glory of young men is their strength. And so I'll tell my sons, like, why did God make you strong? Like, he gave you strength. So now you have a responsibility. What are you supposed to do with that strength? And there's always the three things that I tell them. If, I, if they were paying attention, I'd ask them what it was. But <laughs> I say, God made you strong so that you can serve, so you can provide, and you can protect. That's why you are strong. And if you use your strength for other reasons, you are misusing it, and you will be held responsible for misusing your strength. Those are the conversations we have at our household when it comes to responsibility. It's my job to teach them how to use their strength. It's their job to use their strength for what God would have them do. So let's look at children first. Uh, I have five kids, so apparently I, I won the, the <laughs> I rolled the dice, and I have five, so I get to talk about kids because I'm a dad more than anybody else. <laughs> so uh, let's look at children first. Let's look at verses one through four. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise, that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, 
but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. So first of all, what is a child, right? Who, who in this room, anybody not have parents? Anybody by a show of hands not have a mom or dad? <laughs> okay, so is he talking to all of you? No. <laughs> like, you are not a child by in what he's talking to right now. And the fascinating thing is that he expected children to be at church. So it's a good thing. He's writing a letter to a church that would have been read, expecting children to be in the midst. He expected the people of the Lord to have children and that they would be sitting, listening to God's word being preached, that they would be here hearing what God says to their parents so they can go home and say, uh... <laughs> Bible says you're supposed to do this, mom. And that would be a good thing. Like, I, honestly, if my child rebukes me for something the Bible says, his authority comes from what the Bible says, not from his little <laughs> eight-year-old brain. And he turns eight tomorrow. He turns eight years old tomorrow. He's my oldest son, Atticus. And uh, excited for your birthday, buddy. <laughs> I'm getting off work early. We're going to go out for lunch. It's, he gets to pick the place. You haven't picked yet. It's going to be fun. Um, so anyways, who is a child? Who is a child? Well, to work with the definition here, my, my children are clearly children, right? I don't think anybody would look at them and say they're not children, but to give you cleaner categories, uh, and this might surprise some of you, if you still live at home, you are a child. So if you are 22 and your parents still financially bankroll you and they say go to bed at 10 o'clock, you should go to bed at 10 o'clock. And if you say, I'm a grown man, I don't need to go to bed at 10 o'clock, they would rightly respond, get a job. <laughs> go get a house, and then you can go to bed whenever you feel like. Whenever, as soon as you're ready to be an adult, you can set your own rules. But by definition, you are a child if you live at home or if you are still financially dependent. Now, of course, like the Bible, we can talk about all the exceptions to the rule, but for the most part, children obey your parents. Now, if your, children, if your parents tell you to do something that God would forbid, clearly God takes precedent there. If your parents would restrict you from doing something God commands, clearly God would take precedent. But for most of you, that's not the case. Go to bed at 10 is not <laughs> something you would have a chapter and verse to argue with your parents about. If they're financially bankrolling you or you still live at home, you are a child. So what are the two commands or the responsibilities that children have? What, are the, what does the scripture say here? Obey your parents, honor your parents. Two commands for children, obey and honor. So this is what is expected of children but this is also what parents should expect from their children. This is what they should be teaching them. This is what they should be guiding them to do. So first of all, obey. You see that in Ephesians 6, 1. It says, children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Now, when I say obey, what we try and teach our kids to do is, there's three qualifiers to that. Obey, obey means without challenge, without excuse, and without delay. So if I tell you, go empty the dishwasher, you don't challenge it and be like, I don't want to. Why should I have to do it? That's not obedience. That's pretty clear, right? Without excuse. So I would go do, empty the dishwasher, but I have this other thing going on. You don't get to do that. That's not obedience. And delay. You say, I'll empty the dishwasher when I feel like it, when I have time. You don't get to do that. That's not obedience. Delayed obedience is disobedience. If you say, yes, I'll do it, but you don't do it till later, that is disobedience. This is what you should be expecting from your children. This is what you should be teaching them to do. And children, this is what you should do. When your parents uh, give you a command, you should obey without challenge, without excuse, without delay. And that doesn't mean you can't ask questions. You might not understand why you're doing what you're doing, but ask while you're doing it. Obey and then ask. You, my kids are free to ask, why am I unloading the top uh, thing of the dishwasher again? Why not the bottom? <laughs> I like the bottom better. 
It's easier. It just has big plates. You're free to ask while you obey. If you stop and say, and you challenge it, that's not obedience. So that's what we're aiming for here. Um, I heard a story once of a missionary um, in Africa who had a child, and he was raising his child in this idea of obedience. He was trying to lovingly help his child understand that he's the authority that God put in his life. When I say something, you do it. So he had this pattern of teaching his children how to do it when the stakes were small, like go empty the dishes, go to bed, eat your broccoli, (laughs) things like that, and expecting the immediate response to be obedience without challenge, without excuse, without delay. And one day, his child was out playing in the yard. The dad's inside doing something, just wants to go outside and check on the kid. He walks out onto the porch. He sees the kid out playing, and all of a sudden he says, stop, get down. And the kid immediately does it. The kid just stops and drops to the ground. He's like, now crawl to me, crawl. Don't get up, crawl. And the kid crawls along. He's like, what is happening? (laughs) He crawls. He's like, now stop. Stand up and run to me now. And the kid popped up and ran to his dad. That sounds like just military precision (laughs) for for obedience, just for obedience sake. When the kid turned around, in, in the safety of his dad's arms, he looked around, looks at the tree, and there is a huge python hanging from the tree right over the head of where the child was. The child was in immediate danger. Now, if that child had said, why? Drop for what? Why? What's going on? Dead. If they said, yeah, I'll drop, but give me a, give me a moment. Give me a second. I've got to finish up what I'm doing. Dead. When the stakes were small, they were taught to obey so that when the stakes were big, they responded correctly. You have to train children to do this. It's not my bent. Is it yours? Is this what you default towards, is just doing exactly what you're told the second you're told to do it? So even as adults, you can learn from your scripture. If you have authorities, you need to train yourself to obey and ask questions as you're obeying if you have them. But there's a lot at stake, and you need to train them when the stakes are small, because when they grow up, the stakes are bigger. 18-year-olds make bigger mistakes than 5-year-olds. It's more costly to them, to other people, to the family, to society. You need to learn to obey as a child you need to teach your children to obey in small things so that when things are big, they're ready to do it. And the second thing he tells children to do is to honor their father and mother. Ephesians 6.2 says, honor your father and mother. So if you're a child, you must honor your parents. So this would apply to all of you. Even if you're not a child living at home or financially dependent on your, parent, on your parents, you are to honor them because they are still your mom, they're still your dad. And so what does honor mean? Honor means to value, to esteem highly the office of parent. Without them, you would not be in this world. Say what you want about them, good or bad. But God used them to bring you into this world. And if it were not for them, and whatever decisions they made, you would not be here. So you need to honor the office. God made them something for you that you can never take away. You can never say that they are not your mom and dad. Look at Acts 17, 26. It'll be up on the screen. Don't turn there. Stay in Ephesians. But it says... Um, I have it on a slide here. It says, And God made from one man every nation of mankind to live on all the face of the earth, having determined allotted periods and the boundaries of their dwelling place. God chose where and when you would live. I could have been born in 13th century Europe to obviously different parents. (laughs) But he chose, he chose Tony and Jackie Van Voorst in 1978 in Orange City, Iowa. 
I did, had nothing to do with that. I didn't ask when to be born. I didn't choose the place or the people. God did. Honor the office of parent. Honor them. They are permanently your parents. God made them your parents. They are your parents for life. So find a way to honor the fact that God made them your parents. Even if they are not honorable people, you can honor the fact that God picked them for you and he wants you to learn and grow from the fact that they are your parents. Now he gives two reasons to do this. So he says, honor, obey, and honor. Those are what you're supposed to do, but he gives two reasons to do it. There's a natural order and there's a supernatural order. The reason why he says, there's a reason why you should do this. The natural order is in Ephesians 6.1. He says, children, obey your parents in the Lord for this is right. He said, you should do it because it's right. It's just right. Have you ever heard a, a child call their parent by their first name? Does that seem right? Does anybody think like, that's great, I'm glad they have such a, such a relationship like that, that they're besties, and that this kid gets to decide what he wants to eat and when he goes to bed. Is that great? <laughs> like you see Veruca Salt in uh, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, do you look at her and be like, I hope my daughter looks like her someday. <laughs> that's, that's ideally who I'd like to parent. <laughs> no, because even, like the reason why Ron Dahl uses that, that type of person is because everybody sees that and is disgusted by it. Even kids look at Veruca Salt and be like, that's not right. Ugh. There's something weird about that. It doesn't feel right because God has put a natural order of things in place. And when children disrespect their parents, it doesn't seem right. There's just a natural order of things and we all know it. Next time you're in Target, Christmas season, things are chaotic, parents are not you know, they don't have the available patience, you know, wells of patience that they normally have because there's way more people and way more toys and flash and everything going on. Watch the kids disrespect their parents in Target and see if your soul doesn't go like, ugh. It just doesn't feel right to watch them like nag and I want that toy, I want it. It's like, I said no, I said no, I said no. Watching a parent say no over and over, it eats at something inside you because it's not right. But he also gives a supernatural reason if that wasn't enough for you. He says in uh, verse six, or chapter 6, verse 2, he says, honor your father and mother, quoting directly from the Ten Commandments. So he says, okay, fine. That's not good enough for you? Like, that's not enough for you just because it feels wrong? Well, how about because God says so? Is that enough? <laughs> like, at some point, does it matter if God says so? Like, God can tell you, I want you to do this, and he can explain to you all the reasons why. He can explain to you all the benefits of his obedience. He can explain to you all of the mess and junk that comes from sin when you disobey him. He can do that. And by his grace in scripture, he has on a lot of subjects. But even if he didn't, if he just said so, if he just said so, would that be enough? Does it mean anything to you? Does it matter that it's God who says it? All parents have pulled that at some point, right? <laughs> because I said so. Because at some point, it should matter that it's me telling you to do it. Even if I can't explain the reason, or even if I don't feel like explaining the reason right at this moment, because I said so should mean something. And because God says so, it should matter. So parents, turning the eyes on you, and for you who aren't parents, thinking about future being parents someday, and for those of you who have parents who are children who are grown up, looking back on how you parented, think through what God commands here he says, you, like, you are an authority over your children, but you are also under God. You have authorities that have been, or responsibilities that have, I want to put uh, two books up here just because I'm not going to have time to explain every possible thing that you could about parenting. Um, but there's two books that I would say would be highly valuable to you as a current parent, 
as a grandparent trying to help your children have a vision for biblical parenting or as a person who aspires to be a parent someday. Two books, uh, Shepherding a Child's Heart uh, by Mr. Tripp and Give Them Grace by Elise Fitzpatrick and her daughter Jessica. Um, Two great books, one very aimed at logistics of what day-to-day looks like and one aimed at big picture, like what makes Christian parenting Christian? Is it it's not just having well-behaved kids. That's not inherently Christian. There's nothing Christian about being a good little boy and girl. Being Christian is being a good little boy and girl because you love Jesus and want to respond to what he's done for you. So two books, if you uh, want more on it, I would look into those, Shepherding a Child's Heart and Give Them Grace. Um, so because children are supposed to honor and obey you, you need to be honorable. You need to demonstrate obedience yourself so that you're not a hypocrite. Um, The clear illustration of this is if if your children are in the car looking at your speedometer and they look outside, do those things add up? Or do they have to do addition (laughs) to figure out what's going on here? Your kids are able to see if you're obeying or not. And for you to spend all day speeding through traffic, blowing through lights, which I hope that seems like a more aggressive (laughs) type of disobedience, but you do that and you get home and you say, do the dishes. And they're like, well, you don't even follow the speed limit. Like, you don't even follow the rules that you have. So who are you to tell me what to do? Now, granted, they are your child. They should listen to you. But you can do them a solid and be a respectable person. You can make it easier for them since God is commanding them to do it. And they will be held accountable for their obedience. Every man will stand and be held, be held accountable for their own sin. Every woman will be held accountable for their own sin. So every child has to answer for themselves. But as a parent, you can help them out by being the kind of person that's easier to obey. You can help them do what God's commanded them to do by being honorable and by demonstrating obedience. And that's the vision of Anthem Church is to know, love, and obey Jesus. You gotta get to know him, and the more you know him, we're convinced that you'll fall in love with him. And the more that you love him, you'll want to obey him. It's not a rigid command saying obey. It's, it's a heart that's leaning in and saying, what would you have me do? I want to, whatever, just tell me what to do. I want to obey And that's the vision of Anthem Church, and that's the vision of Anthem Church for you as parents. It is your responsibility to raise your kids. It is not Anthem's responsibility to teach your kids about Jesus. We will when we have them here, because that's what we're all about. But our goal of having the younger kids up there is to teach you so that you can go home and teach your kids. Because you will be held responsible for your children, not Anthem Church. So the weight is on you. And it's a good weight. And I'm glad that you have it. And I hope you rise up to the occasion. But it's not Anthem's church. So don't delegate that to us. That's your job. So rise up and become the parent that can teach your kids and walk them through these things. So let's say you're convinced. You're like, okay, sure, Todd, I I hear you. I hear you. I want to. My heart is leaning in. What do I do? Okay, let's look at just one practical verse of application. Deuteronomy 11, 18 through 20. It'll be up on the screen so you can keep your thumb Um, in Ephesians, but we're in Deuteronomy 11 if you want to look it up later. So here's just some parenting advice straight from God. It says, you shall therefore lay up these words of mine in your heart and in your soul, talking to the parents, and you shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall teach them to your children, talking of them when you are sitting in your house, when you are walking by the way, when you lie down, when you rise. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. So two big implications for parents. You must know what God says in order to teach your kids. Do you know what God says? 
Have you read your Bible? The Bible that you want them to read? The Bible you want them to listen to? Do you even know what it says? How are you going to teach them to do something if you don't know what it says? Parents, read your Bibles and teach your children what God says. The second implication is, kind of alluding back to the first one, you must do what God says in order to tell people without being a hypocrite. Going back to the speed limit example, if you don't do what's in there, so let's say you do read your Bible and you know exactly what it says, and you tell your children to do it, but they look at you and they're like, well, you don't obey the governing authorities. You, don't, you cheat on your taxes. I heard you talking to mom about that. If you are going to parent in God's way, you need to know what he says and you need to do what he says. And you need to repent when you fall short of it, when you don't. Two places the scripture points out here in Deuteronomy 11 where parents need to parent. Basically, you got your home jerseys and your away jerseys, right? <laughs> you got your whites and then your whatever color your away is. We'll go with blue. I don't know, whatever. <laughs> your away jerseys, the one the dark colored jerseys are your away, are your away jerseys. So Deuteronomy 11:19 says, talking of them when you are sitting in your house. You need to parent your children in a controlled environment that is your house, where you control the parameters. My kids are always more obedient at home than when they're at an away game because they have their toys, they have their room, they have their schedule. So parent your children in that environment where you can control the variables and it's ideal for training them where you can kind of stack the deck to help them obey, to help them increasingly obey when they're away. And so away too, like when you're out and about, Deuteronomy 11:19, the second part of it says, when you're walking by the way. So spend time out and about together. I love Luke was talking about wanting to be more adventurous. And so he's just like, kids, what should we do? I feel like our lives are dull. <laughs> like, let's go do some stuff. And they said, let's go hike some trails. And so Luke has taken, he's been proactive as a dad to be like, let's have some adventures. Let's be Christians out and about. Let's see what happens when we get out and about and we see a stream and we see a bird and we have to like, remember verses about God cares for birds and he takes care of them. They don't store up for winter. They're not nervous that it's snowing because God takes care of them. How much more does he take care of you? Those moments come when you're out and about and spontaneity comes into your life. And if you are a man or woman of God, you have his word inside you and so you see the opportunity how to teach your children through regular life so they don't just see Christianity as like something you do at home and then you go out and about and do everything else. They need to see it in both worlds. They need to see Christ exalted high at home and out and about. So one critical application from this is Children are called to obey parents. So parents, you have to be on the same team. If the children have one rule from dad and one rule from mom, that's not helpful to them because what are they supposed to do? <laughs> if you have a sincere child with the Holy Spirit living in their little tiny heart, looking at verses like children obey your parents, and they're like, I don't know how to do that because if I obey dad, I'm disobeying mom. And if I obey mom, I'm disobeying dad. In our house, we have a rule that if uh, Penelope comes to me and says, Dad, can I, whatever, watch a movie? I'd be like, what did Mom say? And, if my, and she says, well, Mom said no. I was like, well, then Dad said no, because Mom and Dad are on the same team. And you're in trouble for trying to divide us. <laughs> God said, let no man separate what God has joined together. Even your kids, don't let them divide you. You are one team. So if my kids love my wife, they love me. If they obey my wife, they obey me. Her rules are my rules. We're on the same team. So the kids have one rule to follow because the parents talk about what, what are the rules. We talk about that because our kids need to know what the rules are if they're going to obey this verse. And so for you who aren't married, think through things like this. Marry someone who you can agree with on big picture stuff. Like if you imagine a jar full of rocks, you have big rocks and little rocks, 
and you have to fill the jar. Put the big rocks in first. The little ones will find spots. But get this stuff right. It's not bare minimum, they must be a Christian. Scripture is clear about that. But there's more than just being a Christian that it goes into life. Being equally yoked is not just, I'm a Christian, she's a Christian. It's how do we see life? How do we see the home? How do we see what we want to do with our lives? Do you want to follow me where I'm clearly going? Big implication is your children are going to need to obey you and your spouse. So next to the decision of who you'll worship, who you'll marry is the biggest decision you'll ever make. So I'm not saying like put it off as long as possible because it's dangerous. I'm saying just put thought into it. Don't be ignorant to the fact that this has implications for what your children will have to do someday. So children are called to obey parents, but they're called to obey fathers in particular. And, and there's a special weight put on dads. Like if you notice in these verses here, 6 verse 4, it says fathers. He singles dads out. He says, children, obey your parents. And I'm talking to you, dads. I'm coming to the head of the household. I have a discussion to have with you. He says, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. You are the head of your household. You might be a bad head because you don't take responsibility, but you are the head of your household. It's not a matter of if. It's a matter of what kind of head are you. Are you a head that takes responsibility and works to serve, provide, and protect? Is that how you see your leadership role, or is it to take is it to use your strength to get people to do what you want so that you can be served when you come home? And you are also the pastor of your house. Not many people are called to vocational ministry where they get paid, well, that's their job. But every dad is a pastor of a connection group that he leads every day. If you aspire to be a dad, you aspire to be a future connection group leader. You are the pastor of your house. So again, young ladies, when you're looking at men, this is the future pastor of your children we're talking about. Your, your husband, but your kid's future pastor, your pastor too, in the home, the, the one who will lead your house in godliness. So there's two particular things that he points out for dads, especially, especially for dads. He says, do not provoke your children. He says, nourish or bring them up. The Greek word is nourish, like give them nourishing food that has actually nutrition to it. Nutrition, that same word is in view here. So do not provoke or some of your translations will say exasperate. Like, don't just wear them out. <laughs> don't just wear them out. And who wears kids out more than dads? Like, moms, when they're older, <laughs> like, when you're older, your moms wear you out. But when you're a kid, your dad wears you out. <laughs> like, if, if, if my experience is anything common to what I've read everywhere else, <laughs> that's what's true of life. And even scripture says, like, son, listen to my teaching. And when, and when your mom's old, listen to her too. It's like, when mom gets older, she's going to become a little bit more <laughs> hard to deal with. Right now, you turn to her, but... It flips a little bit when you get older. All of a sudden, dad's like, well, anyways. <laughs> so, do not provoke your kids. Here's some examples. i give you some clear examples of how you can exasperate your kids <clears throat> by being absent. How many dads just aren't there? And when they are there, they're kind of checked out. They're on their phone. They have their hobby in the garage. Everything else in their life is more important to them than the family that lives in his house. He goes off and he works and he brings money home and then he does whatever he feels like. But the people he provides for, he's never with. And that exasperates a kid. Like, why aren't you there? I've talked to tons of people who are like, if my dad just cared enough to be around, I don't understand why he doesn't care. God made him my dad. I don't understand why he doesn't care enough to be here. That's hard. Like, it's exasperating to a child to even like have to, why does a child even have to think about that? Why should a child have to wonder, like, where is dad? Why isn't he here? That's exasperating. Being critical. 
Dads are infamously famous for being, you got an A, why not an A plus? Did you not study hard enough? Why is that? Why is that a thing? Like, that is a thing, and it's, I think your mom can do it too, but dads in particular can be super critical, and I think it's because in their hearts they want their kids to be the best that they can be, so they don't want them to know that they think they're great because they might settle. That's a really bad strategy. <laughs> Go back and listen to my sermon from Ephesians 4 talking about criticism doesn't build people up. It cuts them down, and they're left in a puddle, and they can't recover from that. It doesn't help people because the real world is hard and blah, blah. It's like, yeah, but you're my dad, I expect them not to care, but you're my dad. Why don't you care? Somebody should be on my team. The last one, using strength to verbally and physically abuse. God has made you strong so that you can serve and provide and protect. And if you use that as a hammer, you exasperate your kids because they can't beat you in a wrestling match. Someday they might. And some of you, I hope they do. For some dads out there, I hope their kids grow up and wrestle them to the ground and be like, I love you so much. What's your deal? (laughs) But when you use your strength to verbally or physically abuse people, that exasperates people. Yes, you are big. Yes, you are strong. But why are you strong? So that you can serve, so you can provide and can protect for your kids. So what's the other? Well, that's the negative. Don't do this. What's the do? Bring them up. Like I said, that word is nourish, like nurture, like nourishment, nutrition, Health is in, is in view here. And so you just they see that in verse 6, verse 4, bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. So the flip side of those things, instead of being absent, have quality time with your kids by having lots of time with your kids. I've said it a million times. Stan has taken a liking to it. <laughs> I've heard him say it again. Quality time is a product of quantity time. If you want to have good times, spend lots of time. You can't schedule quality time. You can't have a marriage where you never see each other and say, let's have a date night and it'll be great and we'll connect and we'll love each other. If you've tried that before, that date doesn't always go great. Because there's so much pressure on that one. We have one hour to have a great experience. And if it's not here, it'll never happen. Don't put that much pressure on situations. Be around a lot. The more that you're around a lot, the more likely that quality time will be produced Instead of being critical, use words, like make deposits. It's okay to make some withdrawals, to say like, why didn't you do that? Like, are you striving for your best? It's okay to have those conversations. But if you're not the kind of person who regularly tells them, I think you're great, I think you're doing a good job, I love you, I'm proud of you, it's just withdrawals. All you're doing is taking from that person. And you don't have like the bank to make them anymore because you've taken too much. So make regular deposits, especially dads, use your words. Like, well, they'll know I love them because I go to work. It's like, they don't. (laughs) They just know that you go to work. (laughs) Like, you have to point that out. You have to tell them, I go to work because I love you. Use words, dads. Use your big boy words. (laughs) It's what your mom did when you were a kid. Use your words. Then you grow up and feel like you don't have to anymore because you don't have a mom telling you. But be a person who uses your words to tell people exactly the positive things that you feel about them. Don't assume anything with your children or with your wife. Tell them. Use your words. And then lastly, instead of using your strength to verbally and physically abuse, use your strength, like we've said over and over again, to serve and provide and protect. See your strength as a benefit to your family. God has given you strength to take care of your family. One last thing regarding moms and dads together. Make repentance a regular habit. Demonstrate 
your obedience to scripture by saying, I'm sorry. I should not have yelled at you. I got sharp. I was in a, I was in a rush and I wasn't thinking about you. Like how many, like think right now about the tension between you and your parents. I rarely meet a person who doesn't have something with their dad or their mom. How much of that would go away if your mom or dad would just say, I'm sorry, I was wrong, would you please forgive me? How many broken things would be healed just by repentance, just by acknowledging the problem and saying, like, I'm sorry, I should not have done that. I was trying my best. Sometimes I wasn't trying my best. I was just frustrated. I'm sorry. My kids, by the grace of God, are going to hear that often. I have not heard that in my life. How much brokenness in my heart would just, just to have somebody say it, just to point it out and to say, I'm sorry. And how many of you would feel the same if your parents would just say, I'm sorry? No explanation needed, just I'm sorry. I shouldn't have done that. Will you please forgive me? Make a habit of doing that in front of your kids so that they grow up seeing that evidence so that when they grow up, they do the same thing themselves. Okay, last part of our passage here. Ephesians 6, 5 through 9. Bond servants, obey your earthly masters with fear and trembling, with a sincere heart as you would Christ, not by the way of eye service as people pleasers, but as bond servants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart, rendering service with a good will as to the Lord and not to man, knowing that whatever good anyone does, this he will receive back from the Lord, whether he is a bond servant or he's free. Masters, do the same to them and stop your threatening, knowing that he who is both their master and yours is in heaven and there is no partiality with him. Okay, slavery. Some of your translations say that it's not 18th century American slavery. The Ephesians would have just blown past this, but because we're here, I just want to quick address it so I can get to the main point. The Bible emphatically opposes what happened in America, without exception. And anybody who would use the Bible to support that is wrong. I want to give you one verse. There's plenty of them. But 1 Timothy 1, 9 through 10 says, The law is not laid down for the just, but for the lawless and disobedient, for the ungodly and sinners, for the unholy and profane, for those who strike their fathers and mothers, for murderers, the sexually immoral, men who practice homosexuality, enslavers, liars, perjurers, and whatever else is contrary to sound doctrine. Enslavers, that's what people did. They took people against their will and enslaved them and said, because of the color of your skin, you serve me. The Bible says that is contrary to sound doctrine. It says it in other places as well, but it is contrary. You do not get to do that to other people. It is against what the Bible, the spirit of what the Bible is saying. So don't hear these verses and hear the Paul condoning that kind of behavior. It, he doesn't. Paul wrote 1 Timothy. He doesn't believe that that's the case. So this transitions more into employee-employer relationships. Most people in that world, if they were slaves, it was because they were in debt and they signed a piece of paper that said, if I don't pay you back, I'll be your slave. Or it looks more like our filling out a job application saying, can I work for you? You take care of my wife and kids and I'll work for you. That's more what it looked like. Same principles apply from children to parents. If you learn when the stakes are small, you can learn when the stakes are big. Obey your boss without challenge, without excuse, without delay, and ask as you're obeying. Do what the boss says, and if you have questions, ask while you're doing what they've said. Honor the office of boss. Somebody made them your boss, so honor the office while you're doing it. Work for the good of your company, especially because we live in a world where you, can, you don't have to work there. You can quit. Like, we live in a world where you work where you want for the most part. So work for the good of the company because you're the one who chose to be there. And work in such a way that if somebody found out you were a Christian, that wouldn't be a surprise to them. Bosses, lead your people the way that Jesus 
led his people. He was a good master, looking for the benefit of everyone, leading them through tough decisions, but walking through why the decisions are tough, not always making the most popular decisions, but when you make unpopular ones, explaining to people why, telling them why, it's either an act of love. So I want to end on this uh, note here of God. Did you notice that God promises to reward those people who are obeying? In uh, 6 verse 3, it says to children, obey and honor your parents so that it might go well with you and you might live a long life in the land. To employers and to employees, he says, obey, knowing that whatever good anyone does, he will receive back from the Lord. God promises reward for those people who would obey. My kids sometimes want to carry in the groceries, but that is more work for me because I have to figure out what is breakable and what isn't. <laughs> I have to sort through the, long, through the groceries in order to ma- allow them the opportunity to help me. It causes more work. It'd be easier for me to do it by myself. But I go to the work to sort through what can they carry, what can't they, so that they can carry it in so that I can give them a reward for having helped. Who did all the work? <laughs> Me. I did more work in order to allow them the opportunity to help, but it gave them a chance because I want to reward them. My heart is that that's what I want to do. And God's heart is that he wants to reward people. He wants to. He's rigged the system for your good. He's making it possible for you to obey so that he can turn around and reward you. And so I want to put that word up, responsibility, but we're going to see it as a different way now. As Christians, we're going to see it this last way, and this will be the last thing. Jesus has changed the way that we see our responsibilities. As a Christian, within the realm of responsibility, now you see it this way as well. It's your response to his ability. Your responsibility is to look to Jesus and think, how did he obey? How did he lead? Because of what he did, because he's stacking the deck, because he wants to bless me, because his heart is to reward me, I can work hard. And so our response should be gratitude and grit. Be thankful and get to work because you have a good God who wants to reward you. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for the opportunity to be both under and in authority. As a dad, I have the weight of leading my kids. As an employee, I have the weight of being under somebody else's leadership. I was once a child and was under the authority of my parents. And Lord, I just thank you for those opportunities to know what it's like to be you, to, to look to you for help because I fail at all those things. I don't always lead right. I wasn't the greatest kid in the world. I'm not always the greatest employee. So I thank you for the opportunity to look to you because you were all those things. You were a perfect child who obeyed Joseph and Mary even though you were God because they were your parents. In this Christmas season, we even think about the fact that you became small, a baby who needed a mom to take care of him. And yet you were God, and you didn't have to, but you chose to, so that you could offer us a perfect record of of childlike faith and obedience that we don't have on our own. And you were a perfect leader and master and parent to those people who look to you. And so we look to you, all of us as parents and children, we look to you by faith that you would forgive us what we've done, knowing that the only God who exists in the entire world, there's only one God, and that God wants to bless people. He's made it possible by doing all the work for us so that by faith, if we look to him, he would offer us his reward. He wants to reward us. He wants to fix all of the groceries so that we can help carry it in so that he can give us a treat for helping even though he did all the work. So help us lean into that with hearts of faith, hearts that are leaning in saying, God, because you've done that, I want to obey. What would you have me do? 
would you make our hearts like that? Only your Holy Spirit can do that. So please move in this room and help people to want that. And through your helper, the Holy Spirit, would you come and help us do what you've laid on our hearts? In your name we pray. Amen.